0: Hey, theater people, Patrick here. So we at the Theater People podcast are on a new mission to bring well-known theater artists and their fans together in unique and affordable ways. Our first go at this is going to be our live summer series. These are going to be live shows featuring Leslie Margarita, Lindsay Mendez, Laura Osnes, and more. We'll do an interview and then the artists will perform live and then take questions from the audience. Time permitting, they'll even stick around and say hello, take pictures, and sign your CDs. We're describing the shows as one part live show, one part concert, and one part hangout session. Unique, right? Oh, and the affordable part. The tickets are just $10. All of the info and the links to buy tickets are up on our website, www.theaterpeople.com. That's theater with an E-R-P-P-L dot Okay, now to the show. Welcome to the Theater People podcast. I'm Patrick Hines, your host. Boy, you got
1: this Look into your eyes and-
0: Guys, we could not be happier to bring you today's episode featuring the divine, the lovely, the just ridiculously talented Philippa Sue. As you all know, Philippa created the role of Eliza Hamilton in last year's off-Broadway production of the smash hit musical Hamilton at the Public Theater. And this season, she made her Broadway debut in the role. She first rose to fame in the title role of Natasha in the 2013 off-Broadway hit Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. You guys, we have a really, really special surprise for you at the end of the episode. It's a first for us. It's completely related to our interview with Philippa, but even she doesn't know about it. So stick around after our interview with her. I promise it will be worth it.
1: Oh, into your eyes skies again? I'm um,
0: Philippa Sue, hi! Hello. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you for having us to your dressing room.
2: Thank you for coming. It's very small and cute, but I'm glad you're here.
0: I always, I feel like it's still bigger than my first apartment in New York City.
2: I know. Well, you know what? It is funny. I mean, I look at it and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, this is about the size of my dorm room when I was in school. Yeah. Yeah. But it feels like a dorm here because we've got our little hallway. My sisters, (laughs) we're so close to each other. We've each like painted our own room. We've got our decorations.
0: I love it. I love it. It feels very homey.
2: It is. If you take a peek into each room, you can kind of like see into everybody's personality by Decorated
0: their room. Yeah. Well, we don't have much time, so we're going to get right to it, if that's okay with you. Love
2: it. Great. They're making calls on the um, on the system, so if you hear that, that's what that is. I love it.
0: We're very we're gorilla. We're like a, we're a gorilla independent podcast. It's great. First, we have to say hi to Mo Brady, or he'll kill me.
2: Hi, Mo Brady.
0: We love you. We were just talking about your baby.
2: We love you so much.
0: <laughs> okay, so I didn't realize until I started researching this that this is your Broadway debut.
2: Yes, this is my first time on Broadway in the Richard Rodgers
0: doing it. I mean, so how is it to be making your Broadway debut in, like, one of the greatest roles in one of the greatest shows of our time?
2: It's such a beautiful, I mean, do you want to shut this door? Yeah, is that okay? Yeah, there's people coming in. Ooh, the hubbub of the theater. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's, I mean, it's been kind of, like, the most... I mean, obviously, like, it's its the only thing that I know is just, like, this amazing, wonderful artistic experience, and it happens to be my first time on Broadway, and I'm, like, I, there's a part of me that's, like, very aware of that, that, like, I'm, like, super fortunate and that <laughs> this is what it is, but then, you know, also, like, I have no, like, this is it, it's just, like... It's so incredible and at the same time it's like very much like it's my place of work. Like yeah. this is where I come every day, you know, it's like it's not exactly like a day at the office, but <laughs> it's cer- it is certainly like, you know, a wonderful place to come
0: every day. I, w- I was waiting outside for Miguel to bring me back, and I saw you come in, and you have fans. I mean, obviously you have fans, but like, but you have fans. Like, is that... Did you, as a theater actor, is, was that something you anticipated? Do you like it?
2: I never... I mean, I never really anticipated it. I mean, I think the, the funny thing to me, really, and this is a very small thing, but people know how to pronounce my name now. <laughs> Philippa, you know? Yeah. And, and I don't really have to... You know, my, I usually say... It's like saying Philippa cup, but you don't say cup because uh, people say Philippa, like there's like a Latin thing. Like, so I'm like, oh yeah, like uh, it's funny now that like, I don't have to explain to people like what my name is or what it, you know, what it sounds like.
0: Um, that is one of the benefits of fame. You
2: know what I mean? No, I, but I mean, it's cool because I've had a lot of, um, you know, young women, especially and then young Asian women mm-hmm. also who have, you know. Uh, reached out in a way to be like, thank you so much for representing us. Um, And I never really thought that I would be that person. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Totally. But I'm also, you know, I'm mixed. So, like, my experience growing up uh, as an Asian-American woman was very much... I mean, it was, it was a mixture of what everything that I am. So like, there's a part of me that was very much, I related to being an Asian woman. And then there was a part of me that was like, I'm just me, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? Regardless if I'm half Asian or half white, you know, I'm just me. Mm -hmm. Um, So especially being in this production, it's just so cool because I feel like the way that I grew up seeing the world is very much what this work environment is for me, that it's just a bunch of amazing people who are really good at what they do and it's we're all in the room together yeah, you know sure. you don't like sure. I, I think the, the cool thing about our um, the multifaceted colors that you see on the stage like I didn't really realize it until seeing pictures of us you know on opening night and like looking and being like oh my gosh like yeah. having that held up to me and that, that reflection I'm just like whoa I mean like you know, I didn't even realize it until now.
0: I was standing outside waiting to come in, and, I, and I've seen... Everyone has seen the artwork for this show so many times, but I was realizing that it's in silhouette. So it, it literally doesn't matter what color the people are. Right. The artwork is just saying that, like, it's not about that.
2: Well, yeah, I think it's very well thought out. I mean, there's something about it that it's like you see yourself in it no matter what,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which is the beauty of it. Yeah, And it's also, I mean, it doesn't give too much away. It's intriguing. I also feel like there's something, there's like a spin off I mean, there's something statuesque about it, but a little bit more inviting yeah. than like your traditional, like, you know, uh, George Washington monument or right. Jefferson <laughs> monument. Like there's something a little bit more like mysterious about it, which yeah. I really love.
0: Okay so you you were initially you came to this project you were asked to if I'm reading if I remember this right, you were asked to do a reading of the second act is that right?
2: Yes um, I was uh, doing my first New York uh, theater production called Natasha Pier in the Great Comet of 1812 Ah,
0: woohoo. I mean, what an amazing production.
2: Yeah, they, I mean, all those guys, they just... They, that was my first um, job out of school. And um, the community of artists that I got to work with just kind of, like, set me up in a really great way of this idea of creating really good work and being in a good room full of really good people.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um But yes, I was, I was finishing up the run that we were doing, um, in our tent. (laughs) Our, we were, what did we say? We were like, we're not on Broadway, but we're in Broadway. (laughs) Like, we're in the Broadway area, but still an off Broadway venue. Um, I was finishing up the run there and Lynn and Tommy had both, you know, they both came up through Ars Nova, which is where Natasha Pierre first started off, off Broadway. Mm -hmm. these terms are so funny. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And they came to see it both on separate occasions that I met them there. And um, Tommy called me. I had just gotten, I was living um, up in Inwood at that time. And I was at this restaurant um, that actually had this, uh, I was eating brunch there and it had this in the Heights poster, like, up in the corner. Oh, wow. You know, like, Neighborhood Pride. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's so cool. And then literally, like, ten minutes later, as I'm leaving breakfast, brunch, whatever it was, I got a call from Tommy and was like, would you like to come join us on the reading of Alexander Hamilton or what was ne- was then called Hamilton Mixtape. Yes. And I was like, sure. He's like, you may have remembered, you know, the video of, of Lynn performing at the White House of the first song. Well... We've made a show of it and we'd like to, to ask you to come do a reading of Act Two. I was like, that sounds great. Who am I playing? He's like, you're playing uh, Eliza Schuyler. I was like, cool. In the back of my mind, I'm like, who is that? I have no idea who that is. <laughs> <laughs> Let alone, I mean, Alexander Hamilton, you know.
0: Of course. Who knew anything about
2: Alexander Nobody Albert? knew. Yeah. I mean, we knew, but was it, you know, important to us right. in history class, you know, right. when I'm 16 years old? Not necessarily. <laughs> no. But all of a sudden, there was this person introduced to me and, um, You know, of course, when you when you're like, okay, I don't know what this is. You go to Wikipedia. (laughs) You go to Google, and it's like Elizabeth Schuyler Hamilton. And I saw what is, like, probably the most famous picture of her. It's actually in my dressing room. You can see it. It's right there.
0: Oh, I'm looking at it right
2: now. Yeah, it's the it's the picture
0: of her She does daughter. not look like you.
2: <laughs> well, you know what's so funny? is You say it doesn't look like me, but I've talked to people who are like, you know what's so funny?
0: You actually kind of look like her. I can see feature similarities now that you mention it.
2: Yeah, I'm like, like you know, a hop, uh, half Asian version of yeah, her. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, without the powdered wig. Um yeah, so that 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 was like the beginning of my journey with it. And that first reading was very much just like a table read, you know, just to get it out in the room um because they hadn't heard it out loud before.
0: Was there music?
2: Yeah, it was all music.
0: So okay, uh, what 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 did you think when you when you heard this for the first time?
2: I mean, I thought it was like nothing I'd ever heard and also like everything I hear on the on the radio now mm-hmm. and everything that I love. And um I I was just excited to, I, I mean, there's something about it that when, like, in learning the music, you start, it, you feel it in your heart, and you start to feel, like, the impulse, and what are the actions behind it, which is the brilliance of, you know, Lynn yeah. and manuel um, Miranda. And it was very collaborative in the room, and uh, it was a small group of us. But uh, at that point, the the very, you know, end of the show, I think we had gotten up to... Um, Uh, just before the duel. Like, Mm -hmm. Act 2 was not complete at that point. So I had no idea at that point what Eliza did either. You know, for those readings, you kind of just do the base research. You're like, okay, what do I need to know about this person going into it? (laughs) And then you do it. And for me, it was just Act 2. So I didn't even know anything leading up to it. I, you know, knew that they had met, and she was at home while he was at war. Like, the general (laughs) revolutionary story (laughs) of women and men. Um, but then as I was asked back to do the full reading of the whole show, I started, you know, it started, I started learning more about her and, and slowly realizing like, oh, it was based on Ron Chernow's book. And Ron is, uh, here in the room with us and I can ask him questions. And, you know, like the, the research very much like just kind of came to me. I I wasn't really necessarily digging. It was more just like, oh, here's an opportunity to find some information. I'm going to do that. Um, so so anyway, in that in that final that, that first reading of the whole thing, that was when the last song was written, and oh that was when God. it kind of dropped in for me. I was like, "Oh, oh, and so that that feeling that I think people have when they watch it is very similar to the feeling that I had when i was learning that last song for the first time. I was like, wait a minute. I'm singing the last song of the show? Why? <laughs> I've never been on Broadway before. Why am I doing this?
0: <laughs> well, we're so glad that you are. <laughs> I oh, I want to sort of talk about Eliza's arc in the show mm-hmm. through song, if that's okay. Yeah. I, I was thinking that one of the great love stories of Hamilton is the Schuyler sisters. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about just your relationship with these incredible women that you get to work with. As much as you want to talk about your friendship, or, but then also how, how, your, how you developed your, your characters together and, and how you, just in the press, you all seem to be so close. And I wonder how that serves well, guys. you.
1: Guys, Angelica, work, work. Eliza, and Peggy.
0: Work, work. The Angelica,
1: Peggy. Eliza.
2: We all kind of met in different phases. So Renee and I met doing a workshop. Oh. Um, doing the workshop of it. Um, oh, this, the workshop of this. Of this, oh, right, yeah. Okay. Um, and that was after the reading. Mm-hmm. So Renee and I met during April um, of that year. I think that was like 2015? Yeah. And, um, Jasmine came on when we were working Mm off-Broadway. And, um, the the funny thing about it is that Jasmine and I actually met an audition, like, a week before we started rehearsals. Oh, really? And we were supposed to be, yeah, it was for, like, a commercial. And we were supposed to be, like, the the whole idea is that we were, like, similar. So we were, Uh, so, that's why we were in the, the
0: audition together. Of course, right.
2: Um, and, uh... And we both did not book the job, (laughs) but we saw each other in the first rehearsal and I was like, Jasmine, I was in the the audition with you last week and she was like, oh my God. But we've all become super close because of the story of these sisters. Like, I think it's kind of brushed off on us, the, the close connection that they had, um, and also the fact that you know we shared a dressing room in the public, and we oh, were all great. sitting next to each other, and um, we all come from very like we're all similar, and 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 have a very you know similar sense of humor, which I think is what connects us. But we're all very different in terms of how we deal with situations and where we're coming from, and um, and. And it's funny because the dynamic that you see on stage very much exists. But I think that we also switch those roles up a lot depending on what's going on. So, like, if I'm going through something and I'm having, like, a bad day, I'm like, you guys, like, I just feel like I'm not singing like I used to or whatever it is. (laughs) Whatever it is. Whatever the daily, you know, thing that comes up, big or small, you know, jasmine and renee will be there to be like you know you just got like they'll console me through it whatever whatever that is and sometimes it's like renee and sometimes it's jasmine and we're all like there constantly for each other and it's also been cool through this experience just with renee having been on broadway before and has this amazing career and jasmine and i being new to the game and kind of like Ooh, and it's nice you know that that dynamic too of, of having each other and And knowing that we're kind of like all in it together. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, even though we're coming from different places, this Hamilton experience is like nothing before. So it kind of like evens the playing game. We're all jumping into the water from the same dock.
0: So Eliza, her her personal story in the show goes from very light to sort of very dark to very sort of grown up I guess and I was thinking about it I wanted to talk about three specific songs sort of uh, as like telling her story so I wanted to start by talking about Helpless uh, and just that gorgeous gorgeous song uh, just sort of about what what it was like when you when you Philippa heard it the first time but then you as Philippa the actress sort of living in that moment of that song and sort of knowing what's coming for Eliza how do you stay present and how do you how do you enjoy telling that part of the story.
2: Well, during rehearsals, there was a lot of discussion about um, the tense. You know, my father makes his way across the room to you. My sister made her way. Like, am I telling it as if it had already happened or am i in it and i'm just describing it and so what we discovered was like the immediacy of it and the discovery in the moment of like oh my gosh and here's these letters and and he says yes and we're gonna get married and it's all it's all happening in front of me as it's happening in front of the audience two
1: weeks later in the living room stressing my father stone-faced while you're asking for his lesson.
2: Keeping it immediate keeps that youthful kind of freshness and that, that you know, riding on the edge of it being like the most amazing thing in your life and the scariest thing in your life.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Um, and also just the, the style of the music itself is very youthful. I think it's very reminiscent of, you know, kind of like a... Poppy R and B sound um, Beyonce. I think a lot of people actually think they like make mashups of like Countdown. Beyonce's Countdown. Are you serious? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, these are all, like, Twitter fans that I've yeah. seen. But there's always, like, a Beyonce comparison <laughs> thrown in there at least, like, once a month. Um, but we always talk about, like, the Skyler sisters, like, when we're first introduced. We joke backstage. We're like, this is our jam. Like, we're riding in our car. We're, like, 16 years old in our buggy. We're, like, getting ready to go out into the streets. But, like, you think. You're like, oh, yeah, like... This might be a song, and I don't know for for a fact that people tell me they listen to Helpless like in their car. They oh listen yeah, to, they listen to the Skylar Sisters in their car. It's like I'm jamming with my friends in the car, and then it changes.
0: Can I ask you a quick question about yeah. Helpless? Because my the first when when Hamilton first when it when it was first available, my husband well, like did a scream and was like, "You have to come into the kitchen and listen to this right now." And so we were listening to this. How much freedom do you get to make like the runs your own? Because there's this one run that you do in Helpless. And we both listened to it and we were like almost in tears. We're like, that is so gorgeous. Was that written for you, or do you get to like make these songs your own? Um
2: well, they're they're kind of, kind of both. Um it was really funny because I mean Alex Lackamore always reminds me of this, but he was like, <laughs> He was like, remember when we were working on Helpless, and you were like, I don't know, I've never really, like, done runs before, I've never sung like that before. Really? And he was like, in his mind, I think, you will I mean, you'll have to talk to him, but in his mind, he was like, okay, I'm going to have to, like, work with this musical theater girl and, like, get a little bit of soul out of her, but yeah. I, it was literally just like, it it lives somewhere in me because I grew up listening to that, I just yeah. had never been given the opportunity to do it, yeah. so I was like, I don't know, maybe we can just try it, and so, so that's where those runs came from, like... Ugh. We had a good 30 minutes, like, at the piano of him and I, just, like, figuring out, like, okay, what run works here? Like, does that make sense contextually? Like, I'm always the type of person to be like, do we need a run? Like, I don't want a run to be there for no reason. Otherwise, it gets too flowery, it's too much. So we were really, like, calculating, like, what is the appropriate place to put those runs? And thank God Alex Lacamoire is, like... Yeah, just, like, throw it all out there. We'll, like, pare it down. We'll see what works. And that's what we come up with.
0: I cannot tell you how interesting that is. Because it it for somebody who's not an actor, I think a lot of us who, like me, who makes this podcast, people who listen to this podcast, it's so fascinating to know that it's that technical.
2: Well, it can, I mean, it can be that technical, but it, it also, um, you know, I think with, like, some of the greatest singers of our generation, they're able to do it naturally in a way that they don't have to think about it. But I think, in context with telling a whole story right. and information and making that clear, you kind of have to be technical with it um, in a way. But I think that's the beauty of you know the whole rehearsal process is that it was like let's throw everything out, let's see how much we can get out. best idea wins, and yeah. then we'll we'll pair from we'll pair down from there
0: unbelievable well, so the, for me, the next sort of The next sort of tent pole for Eliza, maybe not tent pole, but a a significant thing that sort of takes Eliza to another place is Byrne.
1: I saved every letter you wrote me. From the moment I read them, I knew you were mine. You said you were mine. I, thought you were
0: I think when I first saw the show, it was one of the things that gave me the most pause. Like, it made me really think about the actual history that we're, that we're seeing here and the fact that there is something that we don't know. You know, the fact that she burned her letters and we don't know how she felt. Um, can you talk a little bit about finding your way into that song, especially since you have to make up how she feels because we don't know. So how, how did that work for you?
2: Um, I think the way we started with it Was I mean? I just tried to like look at the lyrics without the music. Just what was she saying? What is she going through? And then had a lot of conversations with Tommy Kale about our director, about um, the letters because she's holding the letters in her hand, and and the idea is when does she decide to burn these letters? Is it before she comes out? Is it when she's sitting there on the bench? Is it? As she's saying, I'm erasing myself from the narrative. Like, these were all questions that we were asking. And I think the way into that was literally,
1: you
2: know, dealing with what was in front of me as an actor, these these letters. And the cool thing about the letters is that earlier on in the process, I was like, can we get the actual letters printed on our prop paper? Is that possible? So we that's what I'd use. i use his real wow. letters um, in, like, a printed script, but these, like, the actual text from the letters. Um... And, uh, and, and just kind of like dealing with that, um, you know, in your given circumstances as an actor, like what is it, what does it mean to have this thing that used to mean so much to you in your life, um, these letters, and then all of a sudden that has completely changed the meaning of these letters that you've held near and dear to you for so long has completely changed. What does that mean for you now that you know what your husband has done? Mm Mm-hmm.
1: future historians wonder how Eliza reacted when you broke her heart. You have torn it all apart, I'm watching it. to know what I see.
2: So these were, like, kind of the the material objects and the questions that we were constantly asking to, like, keep it very much in a place of not necessarily what Eliza ends up doing to the letters, but how she gets there, which is much more, to me, much more interesting and difficult than coming in in a rage and being like, I'm burning these letters. And and I say this, like, not as a coincidence, but I think it's also very appropriate, but that she has a very slow burn during the entire show from the beginning to the end. Like, it tapers very slowly for her. Um, and I think that that, that kind of drawn-out journey, because Hamilton's is such a flash, you know, right. I thought the contrast... It, in the writing, it lent itself to that, but also, you know, my choice to make it as um, subtle as possible in in sort of her discovery of who she is and what that meant for her, it makes the end so much more grand of a discovery. I
0: mean, okay, so so then in who lives who dies who tells your story in the finale. I, I mean, when okay, so you're you were handed that at some point. Somebody said you're going to clo- you're going to close us out. And it, it it I mean, it has to be the most powerful one of the most powerful things I've ever experienced as an audience member that that last bit that you sing I mean I was (laughs) I remember tweeting like someday I will stop crying over (laughs) Hamilton today will not be that day I'm an emotional person um (laughs) 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 How, how can you just can you just take us in into that into that that moment with you
2: um in discovering that last song or yeah
0: and 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 sort of like in your like one of my questions is like how did especially in the beginning, how did you keep it together? Like, how were you able to sing that without just sobbing?
2: Oh, well, I I mean, it was hard. I I mean, there were definitely moments in rehearsal, I remember. So we didn't really, and this is the the brilliance of, I mean, maybe it was just because we didn't have enough time, but we didn't really end up blocking it until very late in the rehearsal process, which I think is appropriate, because I don't think, I, I I think Tommy knew that it was such a, it it is a culmination of the experience that we have. So if we built what comes before that moment of Eliza, yeah. then it'll kind of freely flow. And then it was just a matter of shaping it after that. But there was one day in rehearsal I remember they were like, because we would stop up to that point and be like, okay, we didn't we didn't block the last number, so we're done. Yay, we're done with the run. <laughs> oh, but God. there was one day where they were like, let's just like go on. Um, and so we all kind of just like were in the room and we just kind of like made this semicircle and stood around. And um, I remember at that point, there was still a section where I was reading the letter that Hamilton wrote to Eliza, his last letter. And there's this beautiful line in it that says, um, uh, fly to the bosom of your God. And, uh, and it basically, it essentially says, I'll meet you in a better world best of wives best of women adieu um, and I would read that out loud before launching into the song so I think that still lives in me even though the letter doesn't exist that still lives in me when I when I am performing it now
1: Tears. I live another 50 years. It's not enough. I interview every soldier who fought by your side. She tells our story. I try to make sense of your thousands of pages of writings. You really do write. I'm running out of time. I rely on Angelica. While she's alive, we tell your story. She is buried in Trinity Church near you. When I need it most shoes was right on time and i'm still not through i ask myself what would you do if you had more time? time the lord in his kindness he gives me what you always wanted he gives me more time i raise funds in dc for the washington um
2: but it was very emotional um very hard to sing through. I
0: love it. And and I feel like everybody has a different moment, but I mean, for me, it's the orphanage. As soon as she says the orphanage, oh my God. I mean, I I just die.
1: Oh, can I show you what I'm proudest of? The orphanage. I established the first private orphanage in New York City. The orphanage. I helped raise hundreds of children. I get to see them growing up. In their eyes, I see you, Alexander. I see you every time. And when my time.
2: I didn't really even know about Graham Wyndham. So, the original orphanage that she established. is now a social service organization called Graham Wyndham, and they work. They don't. It's not really an orphanage, but they work with foster kids and foster kids in the foster families. Yeah, um, we're
0: adopting our daughter through foster care, so oh, I was kind of like aware of it, and and then that's why that kind of just like makes me stop. Sorry, y- oh, you were yeah. saying.
2: No, I mean that's so beautiful. I mean, beautiful, right? Yeah. It's just like uh, and clearly because Alexander was an orphan, this is something that she decided to do after his death to establish this right. orphanage. Yeah. Um, And in discovering, you know, everything that they do and what they're about, I was kind of just like, what? This is like, I can't believe her legacy has gone on for so long and we don't know anything about her. I know. And I always say to people at the stage door, you know, they say, oh my gosh, like, uh, I can't believe, like, I can't believe that she ended the show. And I like, I can't believe everything she did. And I, I always say to them, yeah, but isn't it fascinating that you're surprised that it was her? Yeah that you're surprised that we ended the show with her? You know? My
0: husband says, and he's like, you better ask her this. You can't come home. <laughs> <laughs> he
2: tells him, you, gotta, you got to ask her one, two, three, these yeah, questions.
0: Exactly. <laughs> um, he said, "Do you?" Th- he wants to know if you think the show is called Hamilton and not Alexander Hamilton, because it's not just Alexander's story, that it's very much Eliza's story and Angelica's story, too.
2: Yeah, I think it's, well, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like... I mean, it's kind of like any huge. Like, think of like Hamlet. Like, the right. play Hamlet is obviously about Hamlet, but there's all these other people that yeah are also a part of that. Right, <laughs> <you totally. know? laughs>
0: um,
2: I do, I do think it's it's about her. I mean, there's the question: who tells your story? Mm-hmm. It's your story, but who tells it mm-hmm. really? And then the beautiful thing about that is that it comes back to us. It comes back to all of the actors at the Richard Rodgers Theater. It comes to the audience. It, you know, it telescopes in a way that's really beautiful.
1: Time, will they tell your story? Who tells your story?
0: Hey, theater people, Patrick here. So, remember I said we had a surprise for you at the end of the episode? Well, here it is. We agreed with Philippa that it's weird that we don't know more about Eliza's legacy and how her work lives on. Also, as I said, I'm fascinated by the orphanage Eliza helped create and the fact that the organization lives on to this day, today going by the name Graham Wyndham, as she said. So I called up the people at Graham Wyndham and asked if they talked to me about the real Eliza and the work she did and what remains of what she created. They said sure, and a few days later, I was sitting in the office of the organization's president and CEO, Jess Danhauser. He shared some fascinating history, but also talked about Philippa and the work she does with the organization, and what Hamilton the Musical has done to shine a light on this really special and important organization. Here's our conversation.
3: I'm Jess Danhauser. I'm the president and CEO of Graham Windham.
0: Thank you so much for taking time to be on the podcast. So the, the idea of coming to talk to you sort of came out of this um, interview that we did with the fantastic Philippa Sue, who was talking to us about Eliza Hamilton and her legacy and her sort of surprise that people don't really know much about Eliza's legacy, um, other than the little snippet we get at the end of Hamilton, where we get this 50 years of great work that she did, um, you know, and, and one of the linchpins of that is the orphanage. And uh, turns out the orphanage has morphed into this great um, organization that still exists, which is Grand Wyndham. So... Can you tell us a little bit about the organization and how Eliza is connected to it and her, her legacy? And we'll just sort of start there. Sure.
3: So Graham Wyndham is an organization that's working with kids and families. Most of um, the kids that we're serving have had a tough start of one kind or, no- or another. And our work is to see them through that, to see their families through it, to help them make sure that they're, um, fam- they have strong, loving family for the rest of their life and to make sure that they have the opportunities that all kids deserve Um, to go on to college, to career, and to really thrive in their life and to not let their early start define them. And it's very like what Eliza had created. Uh, It's extraordinary when you think back a couple centuries ago. We're about to have our 210th anniversary. And to think of four progressive women who created an organization in a time well before women had many rights in in this country. They were focused on kids that needed them we, we think that Eliza was inspired by Alexander's story. And as, as they say in the, in the musical, that, the, that she sees the kids in their eyes, in his eyes. Um, and Eliza was someone who uh, incredibly back then lived till 97 years old. And there's a lot written about what she's done uh, to, to raise money for the Washington Monument, to write Alexander's story. But one of her enormous contributions, and not her only contribution, was to start and shepherd this uh, orphanage. And many of the things that she uh, laid down as really important back then are things that we still hold dear. They said no matter uh, whether there's a dime in the treasury or not, they were not going to turn away any child. And we continue to focus on the kids who need us most. There's a lot of work done with a whole... Um, across this entire city, with with children and families, our job we see is focusing on the kids who um, aren't having the opportunities that other kids are having. That are um, it's different now. They're not they're not kids who are orphaned. Um, they have families. We embrace their families. We bring their family into the solution. Often, the solution is right there within their family. Um, but it's still those same kids and families who are on the brink who without our support would not have the opportunities that other kids have and so we see that as our as our core role how did Eliza's orphanage that she
0: started with the other women become this, I mean, technically, like like uh, her organization never shuttered. It, it sort of just continued to grow and thrive until it became this.
3: That's right. So we're the longest serving non sectarian child welfare organization in the country. It, it never shuttered. It um, it started in Greenwich Village. They moved to the Upper West Side. Um, and then in the early 1900s, they built our school, which still exists in Westchester and Hastings on Hudson. As, as Solutions evolved as um, the country evolved um, and the organization saw a real need to make sure that we were not only serving children away from their homes, away from their communities, but that we were contributing deeply in their communities to their families. The The board led the organization and the management towards a more community-based work and work that uh, really infuses um, not only a spirit of serving that child, but trying to lift the entire community, trying to lift families to solve this intergenerationally, not just pluck a child out. And so um, the organization had opportunities that came its way over the course of hundreds of years. Um, At some point, we became a a sort of sprawling multi-service organization. And about 10 years ago, the board um, decided to begin to focus again Um, and to focus on the communities in central Brooklyn, in Harlem, in the Bronx, um, where many of our kids uh, live and many of our kids who come to our school are from those communities as well. To deepen our work there, to make sure that once a young person or a family came into our doors, no matter what door they came into, we saw them all the way through and they had access to our entire community of care. We launched... Um, programs where we're coaching our kids until they're 25 years old now um, making sure that uh, as an example when foster care ends our work with them doesn't and we don't just drop them at a time that's a really important time in their life and so we are doing the same thing with families so it started from a, um, a core uh, commitment to kids and we stay true to that commitment but the organization has followed both the, the evidence and what we believe, what our values are. And so we, we like to um, make sure that we are sticking to the values that Eliza left us with, um, but to do our work in the most culturally relevant way um, that we possibly can today. Is the organization
0: experiencing a sort of like pop culture boom because of Hamilton? I mean, like, wh- when did you guys become aware of Hamilton and, and how has the music sort of uh, in- increased your visibility as an organization?
3: So we first became aware of Hamilton uh, through Twitter. And uh, actually, Harry Babarian, uh, a member of our team, saw uh, some um, promotions for Hamilton and told us about it and uh we ended up connecting to lin-manuel miranda on twitter and lin gave us a gift um just out of the blue totally surprised we saw the receipt online and harry came in and said jess you gotta you gotta call him and at that time i didn't know who he was i'm uh (laughs) forgive him you guys forgive him he's handsome just forgive him (laughs) exactly so um and this was about about a year and a half ago now. So I called him, and he said, "Oh man, wait till you see the end. It's gonna it's gonna totally blow you away." And so we got tickets. We went to the public. I got to meet him after the show, uh, and he was the most uh, kind and, and and loving person. We were totally uh, thrilled to see the show and to see how he incorporated Eliza's story into it. We knew how important that story was, and for him to tell it was such a treasure. And so since. Um, it has been uh, gift after gift, and um, we feel really um, fortunate and that this moment of serendipity that, that Lynn manuel chose to, to tell the story, um, that they cast Philip Sue, who is so committed to our organization and to Eliza's legacy. They've done a luncheon for us, uh, we woke up, you know, in the morning to see our names in, in the Times because uh, Lynn manuel has said he was going to give our uh, a portion of his MacArthur Genius Award. They launched the Eliza Project, which has been... Um, one of the best gifts because their presence means a lot to our kids.
0: Will you talk a little bit about that? Because I wasn't aware of it when I interviewed Philippa and she's so humble, I guess, like she just loves the organization and the legacy, but doesn't want to like maybe feel braggy about the work. I don't know. I wasn't aware of this until I got here. The, The great work that she and some of the cast are doing.
3: So she is totally humble. She came up to visit our kids at the school and Interacted with them Didn't really want to Make it about her She was so comfortable With them Uh, They were comfortable With her And Her and her castmate Morgan Marcel um, Decided that they were Going to Make a commitment to, To our kids Our kids had come To see Uh Hamilton and they brought him backstage, and it was the same group of kids who performed for them at the lunch and uh, sang a beautiful song about how that they had created about how Eliza had done enough at, in answer to her question uh, whether she had done enough. And Philippa certainly has uh, done enough. The Eliza Project, they've been working with our kids every Tuesday after school, uh, doing a, a master theater class. They've done dance, they've done theater. They did a little um, sharing, as they called it, with us a week ago, and we were all in tears. And the entire cast came out to support this this project. It's a project that will continue. Um, the fact that they have made Lin-Manuel, Luis Miranda, Philip Sue, and, and so many of the cast members have decided to make time when they have none, mm-hmm, right. when this is their moment, right? Right. Um, and to share that moment with us, to share that mo- that moment, most importantly, with our kids, has been the greatest gift. Culturally, we, you know, we're an organization that's known within uh, the city, within the field. Um, obviously, we have an important history, but there's nothing like um, being connected to Broadway's hottest hit. <laughs> and um, we feel um, wonderful that they have been so thoughtful about how they share our message and that it really is, um, not about the organization. It's about our kids and families, about this commitment that we make to making sure that we see our kids and families through. And the, um, Lynn and Philippa have been so clear that that's what they care about. And we have a lovely relationship with them, uh, and it's all really focused on on how do we give more opportunity to our kids. Our kids are extraordinarily capable. They are coming through some tough things, but when you invest in them and you support them and give them time, all they, they become ready to take advantage of opportunity. And frankly, a lot of our kids um, you know, have been ready in the past, but then the opportunity wasn't there to match it. And so... Um, the Eliza Project is the type of opportunity that they need and deserve. And um, the, the work that we do to coach our kids is the type of opportunity that gets them into college and career um, and really to, to see them through that. So it is, uh, that's been the greatest gift, that they are, they're focused on promoting Graham Windham, but more focused on making sure that our kids have everything that they need.
0: If people are interested in volunteering or getting
3: involved, what do they do? So they can go on our website, www.gram, G-R-A-H-A-M, dash W-I-N-D-H-A-M.org. You'll see all the opportunities to donate. Um, They can call my office at 212-529-6445, extension 2370. (laughs) Um, Or they they can shoot us an email. All of our contact information is on our website. We are open to volunteer opportunities that are, um, one time that we, you know, put a project together The folks can help us to make our facilities more welcoming to, uh, to work with our kids directly. Um, and we're open to more, um, deep and, uh, volunteer opportunities. We have community centers in those same neighborhoods I was mentioning to you before in central Brooklyn and Harlem, uh, and the Bronx, and they could always use committed volunteers. Um, we also are um, always looking for support to, we have a scholarship that we named after a, um, a board member who died way too early, and it was an extraordinary man, Andrew Mock. And we created the scholarship for our alumni. And uh, many of our kids um, you know, have one or two missteps, and they're in a little bit of uh, debt to a rent arrear or they started at one college, it didn't work out, and want to go to a next, but they can't do it until they get out of that debt. Um, this is an opportunity to give our kids the type of support that most kids turn to their family for. Um, when they, they stumble a little bit, it shouldn't be catastrophic. And, and this scholarship makes sure that it isn't, and that they can move on and, uh, and do well. And so uh, gifts to that type of scholarship, gifts to any of our programs, are more than welcome. Um, and we also have events throughout the year, back to school um, events. We have our holiday events, and those are always times when people can give either through um, their time, their, their treasure, their resources, um, and their ideas. We're always looking for, for great ideas.
0: Well, this has been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. So nice to
3: meet you. Um, And and good luck with everything in the future. Thank you. And thank you for coming by. We're uh, grateful for everyone's support. Part of what has been so great is that um, Hamilton has channeled so many of the fans of Broadway our way. And we are so grateful for the opportunity that that, that, that that brings. Amazing.
0: Thanks, Jess. Thank you. Just a quick reminder that tickets to our live summer series are now on sale at our website, www.theaterpeople.com. That's theater with an E-R-P-P-L dot com. Theater People is produced by Mike Jensen and me, Patrick Hines. I edited this episode. Special thanks as always to Bradley Bean, Steve Tipton, Eric Emsch, our webmaster Keith Allen Herzog, Ellen Marie Marsh, and the staff at Oswald's. Oh, and thanks again to my friend Mo Brady for connecting me with Philippa. I used to take class at the gym with Mo. That guy is half my size and can lift about twice as much as me. He's a beast. We'll be back in soon, very soon, with someone amazing. Until then, tell your friends about us. Let's get the theater community talking.